0: Each year, over 500,000 kids spend time in foster care across the US and making sure they're well taken care of takes a village. I'm Erin Lindstrom, and this is Foster Care Aware, a production brought to you by Tidewater Friends of Foster Care. If you've had it on your heart to become a foster parent, a volunteer, donor, advocate, or just wanna learn more, you're in the right place. This episode of Foster Care Aware is brought to you by Commonwealth Catholic Charities, or CCC. CCC provides quality, compassionate human services to all people regardless of faith, especially those most vulnerable. CCC is the only agency in Virginia working with international foster children. If you're interested in learning more, Commonwealth Catholic Charities is looking for foster parents. You can be married or single. You just need to be at least 25 years old and able to provide a loving and caring home to children with different cultural and religious backgrounds. For more information, you can contact B tran at 804-545-5949. You can email her at bb.tran at cccofva.org or go to cccofva.org to learn more. Hey there, and welcome to Foster Care Aware 2021. I am your host, Erin Lindstrom, and I am joined by Audra Bullock, the founder and director of Tidewater Friends of Foster Care. Hi. Hi there, Erin. Uh, today's episode, this is the first episode of our 2021 series for Foster Care Aware, and we are so excited because we have some amazing people who work in the Department of Human Services around Hampton Roads. So this is going to be an incredible conversation to really help you get to know what is foster care, what's happening in foster care, and how you can get involved. So to start us off, if everyone could please introduce themselves, please tell us your name, the organization you work for, and we would love to hear like, why do you choose to work in foster care? Uh, Ryan, do you wanna start us off?
1: Sure. First of all, thanks for having me. Um, My name is Ryan Jones. I work for the Virginia Beach Department of Human Services. I work in the resource development unit. Uh, Our primary goal is uh, recruiting and training foster parents and helping with the transitions when kids enter foster care. Well, for me and myself, I've been in the field of human services since 1989. Um, uh, No laughs. I know that's a long time. but uh, I started in the private sector working with kids in a residential treatment facility. I did that for 20 years um, before transitioning to the city of Virginia Beach. Uh, I've worn many hats uh, in my many years in human services. Uh, The role I am currently in is uh, recruiter and trainer of foster parents. I really enjoy that role uh, because it links me to the, the, the needs of the kids, to the people who are going to be providing the, the care, support and nurturance for that child and or children and families. It's also important to remember that foster parents work not only with the children, they work with the biological parents or primary caregivers as well. So that's a little bit about me and what brings me uh, to, to this, to this uh, venue.
0: Perfect, thank you, Ryan. Shannon, do you wanna tell us a little bit about you? Good morning,
2: everybody. My name is Shannon McFadden. I am the Resource Families Coordinator with the Portsmouth Department of Social Services, In my role, I deal with all things that encompass foster homes. So training, recruiting, and maintaining all of the homes within the agency. Um, I've been with the agency for about three years now, have been working in the field for about 12 years total. And I love the position that I'm in. I really enjoy being able to be hands-on with children and families. And it's just something that I'm very passionate about. I feel like every family and every child deserves a support system. Um, So working in foster care, that's one of our major functions is to support families when they are going through crisis. Mm, Thank you for that. Kimberly, would you like to introduce yourself? Thank
3: you. My name is Kimberly Neal. I work for the Newport News Department of Human Services where I am the foster parent trainer and recruiter. Um, for our resource unit um, in this position, like Shannon said, we do all things foster parents, um, meaning we train, we recruit, we love on them and we support them. The reason that um, I chose foster care is because I absolutely love children. And what better way to um play a major part in their life is to train foster parents because they have our children. So that's why I love foster care. I've been doing this for over 10 years,
0: and I look forward to continuing Mm. to be in the foster care world. Beautiful. Thank you. And Felicia, would you like to introduce yourself?
4: Sure. My name is Felicia Lagarde. I am the resource unit coordinator and supervisor for Chesapeake Department of Human Services. Um, I've been in this role three years now, but prior to this, I was a CPS investigator for both Portsmouth and Virginia Beach for 16 years total with both um, localities. Um, I absolutely love what I do. Um, I've seen it on, on the front end when children come in. I'm very passionate about children and families. And so I get to see the reward of the families either becoming reunified or the child being connected to a forever home. And so Mm. it's just very rewarding. I wouldn't change it for anything in this world. Um, And we're just fortunate to have this program because despite of what people may think of foster care, it is very rewarding because without our parents, it wouldn't be possible.
0: Mm. Thank you for that. Each of you, like when you speak about that, it's so, it's, like I can feel your heart's opening, like as you're talking about your work and your passion. So just thank you so much. So to kind of kick us off, Audra, would you please give us a little bit of an overview of what's happening inside of foster care in 2021? Of course. Thanks, Erin. So we we had a
5: recent town hall where we went into to, um, depth on, on the numbers across the state, and I'll just give a high level um, overview of that. So, so at the end of um, or in March, which is the last VDSS data, Virginia uh, Department of Social Services data that was released, we had about 5,200 kids in care. Year over year since the pandemic began, um, that's a drop of about seven percent. But what's happened is we've had a redistribution of our ages in care. We've had, um, you know, the the under five year old population has has stayed um, relatively static, maybe grown a little bit. Um, the Uh, over uh 18 population has grown a lot over 17 percent and the school age population has dropped by more than 20 percent so there's been this kind of distribution shift and i and i'm sure it has a lot to do with you know where kids are in school or not in school um and so we want to be prepared for that. Uh, part of um, you know th- this population, in addition to you know being all of these ages, they have different goals, case goals for their um, for their custody case. Um, one of those goals is is reunification. That's either return home or to um, a relative placement. Another one is permanent through adoption. Um, about 40%, let me back up, 40% um, have a goal of re uh, reunification, 35% have a goal of adoption. And then the rest are um, longer term, indiv- um, independent living or um, permanent foster care. So it's, It will be interesting to hear our guests um, perspective on each of these, including one that I didn't mention, which is prevention. So I'm going to pass it to Ryan and ask uh, Ryan, what happens before a child comes into foster care to
0: prevent that
5: situation?
0: And if I may add one other sub question to that before we hop in, can you kind of define what exactly is foster care for everyone listening? Of course,
5: sure, Erin. Foster care is an ongoing custody case where the state or the city has determined that a child cannot um, be safely maintained in their current setting. Um, And so the city or the state takes responsibility for a child's care and the city uh, and the state Outsources that care. I mean, they're not state orphanages that are that are uh, these children are being taken into Um, the cities and the states rely on foster parents to do much of this care Um, group uh, congregate settings, group homes, residential facilities for some of them. Um, And so while the child is in the guardianship of the city, a case is actively worked to reunify that child to their family. Of origin, and that takes time. Um, it can take as long as you know, 12 months or 24 months, uh, depending on the case, or sometimes longer. Just um, it is individual as the children are coming in and the
0: circumstances. Beautiful, thank you. Okay, Ryan, let's talk about prevention.
1: <laughs> well, thanks again. Uh, uh, the pre- the prevention of kids coming into care um, is critical. Uh, when people hear about foster care and and adoption services and human services in general, uh, they sometimes have a tainted view uh, of the system. You know, uh, they hear that uh, CPS workers may come in and and separate children. Um, uh, But it's important to know that there is a lot of work that goes on on the front end to prevent children coming into care. Uh, Oftentimes, we'll get a call from the courts um, or a CPS worker uh, within the agency talking about a family or a set of children or a child um, that uh, may need foster care services, uh, but at the time the, the family may be receiving some prevention services. That means that we have assigned a uh, family services worker to that particular family to meet the needs of the children and, and family, not just the child the children and families, to prevent that child coming into care. Now, those services may include parenting services. Uh, they may include um, some substance abuse counseling. Uh, they, I mean, it's a plethora of services that are out there that can benefit uh, a family in need in order to prevent the child and or children from coming into care. Also, we look at <clears throat> the possibility of the children um, residing with uh, extended family, uh, extended family or fictive kin. Now, fictive kin is though is is the family that everybody calls Aunt uh, Aunt Audra. <laughs> um, that may not be a a blood relative, uh, but that child recognizes that person as as a as, as a caregiver, a trusted caregiver, uh, a safe caregiver. Um, And like I said, they don't don't necessarily have to be blood related, just like our foster parents. Um, But we look for those resources as well to prevent children coming into care. Um, Again, like I said, People oftentimes get a tainted view of, of social services when they hear about kids being removed from their parents. Uh, we, we are trying to avoid some of those uh, negative connotations. Uh, we've, we have restructured some of our language uh, to include strength-based language. When we talk about kids uh, entering foster care, we talk about them being separated from their uh, primary caregivers. And I say primary caregivers because it may not be mom and dad. It may be grandmother or aunt or someone in the family, but not necessarily mom and dad. But we talk about separation because separation lends to the fact that the child or children can return. Um, and when we when we say uh, removed, we I tend to think of the trash or something that you're throwing out. And that's not what we're doing with our children. We're separating them, giving the family time to um, make changes, uh, mitigate whatever circumstances brought them to the attention of foster, uh, of the agency or Department of Human Services and be reunited or not even have to suffer the, the, uh, the strain of being separated from their uh, primary families.
0: Hmm. Thank you for that. Uh, So, okay. So as a child, let's say they do come into care. We're now looking at like, what are the different goals? What are the possible outcomes here? And one of them is reunification. So Kimberly, can you tell us a little bit about what that looks like and what that sort of means? So
3: reunification is the process of returning a child to his or her family. Um, In Virginia, not only is reunification the primary goal for children in foster care, typically, it is also the most common outcome. Um, Here in Virginia, we believe that children do best when placed with their families. So um, in order to successfully achieve reunification, challenges associated with the birth parents must be thoroughly addressed as the child's safety and well-being are paramount. So we wanna just throw that out there for all of our listeners. Yes, we believe in reunification, but we are also supporting the family, getting in there, figuring out what is going on and rectifying those situations so we can safely place the children back um, with their, their families. Strong partnerships between birth parents, foster parents, local departments of social services, courts, and any other community partners that we work with are critical to achieving successful reunification. We all work together. We are part of the team and we have to work together because reunification is support is important and stability of the children are important. Um, just want to add this, foster parents do play a critical role a critical role in helping to involve birth families in case planning, um, in decision making, providing mentoring support for the birth parents. Yes, I say mentoring support <laughs> mm-hmm. and facilitating visits between children and their biological families. So again, reunification is important, but we all work together to support that goal so that stability can be um,
0: at the forefront for these children. Beautiful, thank you so much. So Shannon, when reunification isn't an option, we often look to permanency through adoption. Can you talk a little bit about that situation for us? Sure, Um,
2: as it's been already stated, there are, unfortunately, occasions in which our children are not able to return to their home of origin. Um, and in those situations, we then turn to look at a goal of adoption in order to provide a child with permanency as quickly as feasible. Um, I think it's important to know that no child comes into foster care and automatically has a goal of adoption <laughs> Um, That's a misconception that I often get when I have people call and inquire about foster parenting. They say, oh, I want to adopt from foster care. It's very important to realize that it's a process before we arrive at a goal of adoption. Um, So you have to kind of be in there for the long haul with the child before we reach that point. The other thing to realize is that when our foster homes with LDSS agencies are approved, they are duly approved to both foster and adopt. And what that does is reduce the amount of time that a child is required to be in care before we can identify an adoptive placement. So nine times, I'm not gonna say nine times out of 10, but on many occasions, our children actually end up being adopted by the foster homes that already have them in place. So that's great on behalf of our families and our children. That means the children have to go through less transition. A home is more quickly identified um, and permanency is achieved that much more efficiently. Um, The other thing that I want to just point out about adoption um, is that many people feel that when the child is adopted, that's the end of involvement with the biological family. And in some cases, that may be true. However, I know that in the city of Portsmouth, we have a lot of older children within our program. And just because we have terminated parental rights does not mean that those children have terminated their relationships with their families of origin. Teenagers have cell phones. They have social media. They continue their relationships and their connections, you know, as they choose to do so. So one thing that's important for an adoptive family to um, be open to is maybe continuing to support some of those relationships and connections that our older children have with their families of origin, Um, in a perfect situation, a child will be able to have the support and the love from their adoptive family, some support and love maybe from some birth family members, Mm -hmm. and just have a whole village approach to that child being loved and cared for.
0: Yes, thank you so much for that. And I appreciate you kind of just highlighting some things that are misconceptions that often happen. So thank you for that. Um, In the event that a child enters foster care and reunification is not an option and then adoption isn't the goal either. Felicia, there are um, there's independent living and long term or permanent foster care as well. Can you speak to us a little bit about those options and what those look like and why a child um, may have that goal?
4: Yes. So with independent living and long term foster care, when a child reaches the age of 14, they have the option whether or not they want to be adopted. And some of them, they have a true sense, <clears throat> excuse me, true sense of loyalty to their birth families. And so they may not want to be adopted. And so we have independent living and then we have permanent foster care. Um, they like to call it long-term care. Um, so in that, children are taught skills to be productive in society um they're taught skills of not only caring for themselves personally but they're taught um work skills they get um volunteer um experience before they even get jobs they go into a program um some of them once they are in um they start with skill builders and then when they transition um Like here in the city of Chesapeake, we have some children who were in our skill builders program and the city has been graciously blessed um, to receive grants. And now we have we just did a ceremony. We have eight children that has graduated that has a Section 8. They have their own house now, but they still remain in foster care um, because they can remain in, in care up until their 20s. And They've received that additional support to be productive, to not say what happened to them was bad, but to break that generational whatever may have happened. And so they get those skills. Um, and for the, those that don't do independent living, we have tons of foster parents who we are very gracious about for because they will allow the children to remain in their home even after they turn 18. And that's when, uh, again, the child may not want to be adopted um they may have decided that they don't want to be adopted but they have a strong connection to their foster family they don't look at them as foster families that's their family that's their extended that's another part of their lives that's another connection and they are allowed to remain in the foster in, in that home with moving away from foster home in that resource in their home um, long term and then they can they age out of care, um, and it's just it's great because what we try to minimize is another trauma. It doesn't matter how old our children are when they are separated and taken away from something that they know that is another trauma. So it's great that we do have the long term foster care because again, if adoption is not something that the child wants to pursue but they want to remain in that family and that family loves them as well. And they want them to remain and be successful. And they, they do long-term the permanent foster care. And it's just, it's very rewarding because that child is now connected to a forever family, whether they're adopted or not.
0: Got it. Thank you so much for that. So, but it's really helpful to kind of see the full spectrum of options. And I think when you're starting to navigate navigate foster care, especially for people who are like, oh, I feel called to learn more. There's so much to learn. <laughs> so thank you for sort of like laying that out, right? Because I- even I've been learning about this for years, right? And I feel like every every day, every time I have a conversation like this, I'm like, oh, there's another perspective. Oh, there's another fact I hadn't taken into consideration. So thank you for that. Um, I would love to know a little bit from your perspective. You've worked with, I imagine, hundreds, thousands of people who are interested in becoming foster parents and then have becoming foster parents. Um, what are some of the qualities that you think... Um, Make foster parents successful. What kind of like attitude and outlook do they need to have, kind of coming into this, to really, you know, have the the best experience in a very tough area? Right, you're you're walking in, and it's it's emotional to go through a lot of this. So I would love to hear your perspectives on that. Um, we can do a little bit of a roundtable here. Does anyone want to start us off? Well,
4: I mean, yeah. they have to be committed. This has to be something that you want to do because fostering is, although it's very rewarding, you have to have a a mind frame of being understanding, committed to what you're signing up for, having flexibility um, because it's, you have now received a new life into your life That kind of needs to be put back together, mended together a little more, more. and that nurturing, that support, understanding. You have to be a team player because you're going to be involved with so many people. You have social services, you have the birth family, you have school, doctors, therapists, community partners. It is so many players in this child's life or children's lives. You have to we 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 have the five core competencies and one of the main ones is you have to be willing to be part of a professional team.
1: Yeah.
4: Mm-hmm. Because yeah, you have so many new people in your life now because you want to be a part of the change for this child, but you have to be open. you, you know, people don't like social services coming into their homes. And I used to tell people, you know, we don't have a hat that we pick someone's name randomly and we just show up, but you have to be willing to open yourself up and and, and just be a part of the team. Because if you can't be a part of the team, then the child will not be successful. Yeah.
5: Alicia, I want to reiterate that this isn't just like taking care of your own kids. It's it's different. And it's hard to impress, I think, upon somebody who hasn't been involved in this world for a while, how different it really is. I mean, the love is basic, right? The meet the needs, the bed, the clothing, the food, all of those things. And you can have the best of intentions and not be able to still meet the needs of these kids because there's just so... So much that's happened to them, and so in the exploration of uh, the mutual assessment, right? We all do some some exploration of ourselves and our own trauma history because we bring it to the table when we parent, right? Mm-hmm. So Shannon, you you looked like you wanted to jump in on something about what it's like.
2: I was just going to say pretty much what Felicia said in terms of being a team player. That's really essential, especially right now, because we are really making a shift towards putting um, families first is the shift that the state is making right now towards trying to um, preserve that biological family unit um, the best that we can. And what that means for foster parents is that they're having to have more frequent interactions with biological family members than they ever have had to have before. Um, So I know that sometimes the idea of interacting with biological family can be unnerving because sometimes biological family members can be unpredictable, just depending upon what the different circumstances are. But we are asking a lot of our foster parents at this time, just in terms of being open and being willing to be team players working alongside those bio family members.
3: And Beautiful. just to jump in um Felicia and Shannon, you all hit it on the head <laughs> i um I totally agree with all of those, um and like Felicia said, flexibility is a must. We get that often. um you have to be flexible if you are interested in doing this hard work because um it's going to be sometimes that we call you um two, three o'clock in the morning, one, to take a placement. Or if we have to have an emergency family partnership meeting, you know, we're going to ask that you be present. And so you have to be flexible. And you also have to have the ability to be adaptable. You have to be able to um, change immediately. And we know that can be hard for some people. So I think that I'm um, last but not least, I would say that um, we're looking for foster parents that are trying to meet the needs of our children, not trying to meet the needs of themselves. Um, and we get a lot of that just being transparent. We do get a lot of that. And our goal um, here at Department of Human Services is to help you. Um, go through that assessment process with yourself to know, hey, is this something that I really can do? Do I have the means? Do I have the ability, the resources, and the willingness to be a foster parent? Um, And you really have to have those courageous conversations with yourself. um, And you need family support. We all know that it takes a village to raise a child. It is no different with foster children. Just like your biological children, You may need grandma to go pick up, you know, your foster child from school because he's acting up and you don't have any more PTO. So you need to really have a village to support you. Um, So everyone um, on this platform really um, just really said a lot and um, just be flexible and have the ability to adapt to changes.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much. The idea of courageous conversations is like top notch. Thank you for sharing that. Ryan, did you have any last sprinkles you wanted to add on to that or do you feel like everything's been covered?
1: Well, it, it really has. Um, but I would also like to add that we need uh, foster parents that are willing to be loss managers for our kids. When our kids come into care, they they lose out on a lot family, community. Sometimes their schools change. Sometimes they're not able to be placed with their siblings. So that's a lot of loss for our kids. And we need our foster parents to understand that our kids have experienced that loss. Um, And we need them to help them uh, navigate through that. Um, And also understand that when kids come into care, we want our foster families to treat our children like their children. We don't want them to feel that, you know, and Johnny, I'll say Johnny because I use that term in training. Uh, Johnny comes into uh, into the home and all the other kids get to do A, B and C. But Johnny has to do X, Y and Z. All right. Because Johnny wants to feel part of the family. And we do exercise in training. um, And I'm sure my colleagues do exercises as well that that stress the importance of belonging, being a part of the family. And uh, it's important that we talk about relationships, because relationships, uh, you know, children heal through relationships, families heal through relationships, communities heal through relationships. So that's important. And also within When kids are unable to return home, the relationship that our foster parents uh, uh, invest in with our biological parents can also help facilitate that uh, forever home for Johnny in the event that mom and dad have that aha moment and say they just can't do this. So they'll look at their foster parents and say, would you be willing? Because sometimes that does happen as well. And that's that that doesn't that's not. Talked about enough that relationship, um, and, and Miss Shannon talked about that professional team. Uh, Miss Felicia talked about the professional team. I, I like to say our professional team is like a family, and if your family is anything like mine, we don't always get along. So sometimes we butt heads, but that's okay because at the end of the day, if we're doing what's in the best interest of that child and family, and we're putting that in the forefront, then we're doing the, the, we're we're doing our best.
5: That is so beautiful, Ryan. I love that. And kind of to that end, you know, foster parents are just one piece of this team. Um, it takes a village um, to to really care for these kids. And there are many more people in that ecosystem. So how can people that want to support these families um, in their homes but not become foster parents, how can people step up right now to make a difference without making that huge leap?
1: Volunteer with organizations like Todd, Water friends of foster care? Um, there are many That's entities. Yeah, of course, <laughs> there are so many entities out there that are willing to support uh, foster care and adoption and human service agencies and uh, entities. Uh, you don't have to always be a foster parent or an adoptive parent. You can get involved in some of those uh, organizations. Volunteer. Um, uh, meet the needs of, uh, you can be a support financially or emotionally. A lot of foster parents need their, when we talk about supports, uh, you know, uh, your neighbor may be a foster parent, uh, but they may need to go out of town for the weekend and ask you to watch Johnny. I mean that's you know when we talk about uh, uh, respite care in foster and in, in, in the foster care uh, realm, but some of our neighbors can provide that respite care, uh, provided they meet the needs and, and they understand what the goal is. Um, but there there are many different ways that they can support that 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 need uh, being educated. Uh, just supporting, uh, like I say again, organizations like Tidewater Friends of Foster Care. Um, and I'm sure there's always some opportunities, uh, Ms. Audra, that someone can get involved yes, hand, hands on and hands-on and assist. Yeah, thank you. Thank
3: you. And I just want to jump in as well, um, because Ryan did say Tidewater Friends of Foster Care. And um, one of the things that we do um, with the city of Newport News is we um, send them over to you all at Topwater Friends of Foster Care for the Prospective Parent Program. Um, Just getting that education, you know, getting that emotional support and finding out about the process very well may change their mind. You, you know, may think right now that you're not foster parent material, you don't have the time, but once you go through that Prospective Parent Program and you dive in, you may realize, hey, you know what? With the support. I I can do this. I can do this. Um, and if you do decide that you can't, of um, Friends of Foster Care again has that perspective foster parent program that gives you more information on how you can help, where the need is, and um, how you can just jump right in and help and assist.
5: Well, thank you so much. You guys are such good promo for us, and I so appreciate you. But I think it speaks to, you know, how well these partnerships work. Um, Private-public partnerships are really the key. There are not enough government resources alone to meet the needs of these kids, and it takes all of us. It really does take a village. So we're hoping that everybody who's listening here can pick up the baton in some small way and and help move the needle for, for children and care as well as their families.
4: And Ardra, I, I just wanted to um just piggyback a little bit on what Ryan said. Um you don't have they you don't have to be a foster parent. We you can just be a respite provider. Um and that is a support to the current foster parents. They may need some me time. They may need the children may need some me time. And having that flexibility of just providing respite alone is very, very, very rewarding. It's not long-term fostering, but you still get a sense of what families are going through, mm-hmm. what the need for children are. And then that may encourage you to sign up for the long haul, but you, don't, you can always come in as a respite provider and just provide that additional support to your community to, to the community because normalcy is what we want for our children.
0: Normalcy. That is such, such a good point. That's what we're trying to create here, right? Yep. So thank you so much. I feel like there are so many amazing tidbits here and there are different organizations like connect with a wish and Casa that you'll be hearing about throughout foster care aware. So if you are listening to this and you're like, tell me more, show me the path. Like you are in the right place. Thank you so much for being here. And If I may, I think the first thing you can do is just, number one, kind of assess, like, where are you in all of this? Are you feeling it in your heart, but not sure what to do next? Are you potentially overwhelmed with all of the options? Are you looking for options? Just start to notice where you are and what is your intention going through Foster Care Aware? Because all of the tools will be here as we go through, and we are happy to support you. Um, we have a Facebook group called TFFC Village, and this is exactly what we're talking about. This is a community of people who care about foster care, so you are welcome to join us in there. Um, inside, we share needs that are happening locally that we can meet. For instance, we had... um. Uh, a teenager who was in foster care who needed a crib for her baby. And we were able to do that through the support of our community. Um, We also have gift sponsorships, there's volunteer um, opportunities. And then if you do want to learn more about being a parent, we do have the prospective parents program. So there is a plethora of ways to kind of like move through here and find out more. Uh, If you have any questions, you can always send us a message on the Facebook page as well. And before we wrap up, I would just love to hear if anyone wants more information from each of you, um, what is the best place to reach? So, Ryan, can you let us know where is the best place to reach out to you?
1: Uh, I can be reached at the Virginia Beach Department of Human Services. Uh, My my contact number is 757 385 Three two seven two, or you can reach me by email at ryjones@vbgov.com at okay. vbgov. Um, and I'm willing to take all inquiries.
0: I love it. Shannon, can you please share your contact information at the Portsmouth Department of Social Services? Yes, I can be reached by dialing our main telephone
2: number, which is 757-405-1800. Select option three from the main menu and you will get me. Also, my email address is shannon.mcfadden at
0: dss.virginia.gov. Perfect. Thank you so much. Kimberly, can you please share your contact information?
3: Yes. Again, my name is Kimberly Niels with the City of Newport News. You can contact us by dialing 757-926-6283,
0: or you can email us at fosterparenting at nnva.gov. Perfect. Thank you so much. And Felicia, could you please share your contact info with us?
4: Yes, Um, I can be reached at Chesapeake Department of Human Services. It's 757-382-2249, or I can be emailed at flagard at cityofchesapeake.net.
0: Perfect. Thank you so much, everyone, for your time, your energy, your commitment, and your work in our community. Sincerely appreciate it, and have a beautiful rest of your day. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much and a big thank you for listening foster care aware is all about getting the word out about how you can support the kids in care in whatever capacity works for you and tidewater friends of foster care is here to support you through the journey To learn more, head over to fostercareaware.org where you can join our digital community of Friends of Foster Care and learn more about how you can provide a birthday or holiday gift for a child in care as one of our gift sponsors, stay in the know about upcoming trainings and help meet the needs of current foster parents and youth as they arise. Whether you wanna be a foster parent, volunteer, donor, or advocate, head on over to fostercareaware.org to learn more.